In this first hour today, let's talk politics uh, with uh, Connie Rice, our regular contributor, towering public intellectual, always delighted to be in dialogue with the one and only Connie Rice. Connie, how are you today? Hey, Travis. Good to be with you. It's good to hear your voice, and I'm glad to have you on. You sound, yeah. you sound, you yeah, sound, I'm, you sound I'm, way I'm too... Watching ex- the, I'm watching the meltdown and starting the countdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, you sound way too enthusiastic for the moment that we are in right now. <laughs> that's the yeah. Connie. Now, that's yeah. the Connie I know. I'm watching the meltdown and waiting for the countdown. Okay, now... <laughs> That's the Cardi I know. Let me let me let me jump right in. We got a couple minutes here to set the table, and then when we come forward, we got a whole hour to unpack it. So we were on this program yesterday. Um, it didn't happen while I was on the air live, but we were waiting yesterday for Mr. Trump's lawyers to make their way to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, metaphorically speaking, and ask the court to intervene on his immunity claim. So he has, in fact, uh, uh, responded uh, to the. Uh, the edict by the federal appellate court that he had until Monday uh, to file his claim. So he has asked uh, the justices of the U.S. Supreme Court uh, to halt a ruling that he must face trial on charges that he plotted to overturn the 2020 election. No surprise here, but just lay quickly for me the foundation uh, of what happened yesterday, how you see it, and we'll, uh, when we come forward, we'll jump into it in more detail. Okay, so this, you got to keep track of his trials because he's got so many of them. Yeah. But this is the D.C. insurrection election interference case, uh, Tavis. And Trump, what he did is he appealed from the D.C. circuit that said, guess what, you don't have total immunity to commit crimes as you want. So he's taken up his total immunity to commit crimes up to the Supreme Court. And the question is whether they will even look at it. They really shouldn't. Or whether they're going to take it up and issue a stay. And if they do that, that means we probably won't have a conviction in a case before the election. So there's the foundation. Uh, when we come forward, we'll jump right into that, get Connie's take on what it all means. Um, uh, Connie, you heard her say a moment ago, believes they shouldn't even take the case up. Uh, there are all kinds of legal scholars. We have different different opinions on this. Uh, many agree with Connie that they shouldn't take it up because the felt appellate ruling they think was just that airtight. There's no reason to take it up. Uh, on the other hand, uh, they have heard oral arguments already, as you know, in the case of whether or not he ought to be kicked off ballots in Colorado, Maine, and other places. Um, so the question does remain, will they take this up? If they do, what does that mean? If they don't, what does that mean? We'll start there, but a great deal more to talk about for the hour with our regular contributor, Connie Rice on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love, this is Tavis Smiley. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Connie Rice as we uh, jump uh, into this conversation in this hour uh, to commence this program today. And where else do you start uh, but with the news of the day? Uh, that Donald Trump uh, and his lawyers did, in fact, metaphorically speaking, make their way to the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday to file, as we expected, um, uh, papers uh, asking for a stay. They want this fellow fellow appellate court decision of last week that they do not have immunity uh, from prosecution, uh, blanket immunity. They want the Supreme Court to overturn that. I suspect they won't. We'll get Connie's take on that in just a second here. But let me just let me just back up to something that's more fundamental and basic, Connie, before we get to your thought about why they shouldn't take the case up. Um, this whole notion, this argument of blanket immunity is it's 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 laughable on a certain level on its face. It is such a farce. Why would anybody in this country ever be given blanket immunity for anything illegal that they may have done 
during a particular time period of their life, no matter who they are, that just the very the fundamental notion of blanket immunity is it's it's not just offensive. It'd be laughable if it weren't so serious. And weren't so serious because it will determine whether this country reelects a man who wants to terminate the Constitution and who's an adjudicated rapist, liar, and so forth and so on. Uh, you know, it's 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 incredible to me that he has the 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 chutzpah, I guess is the word, mm-hmm. but he always has. He always has. He always does the most outrageous thing, and because of who he is. All of the powers that be in the institutions bend to give him latitude and consideration that no one else in the country would get. And so, you know, uh, in this particular case, this is the case where you've got Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin in the D.C. federal court, where Trump has been charged with conspiring to interfere with the federal certification of Joe Biden's election win. And you know when he when he flung that 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 MAGA mob at the at the uh, Capitol and then failed to stop it, all of the stuff he did way before that point, trying to pressure you know Barr and, and his vice president and getting fake electors in Georgia and across the country. I mean, he just did everything he could. He tried to sick the military on him. He did a dozen things to try to make sure that he didn't his loss didn't get vindicated and that Joe Biden didn't become president. So that that's what this case is about. And um, right now, Judge Chutkin set a March 4th trial date. He's doing everything he can to delay because his strategy, if he delays all of these trials beyond the federal trials, beyond the election in November, the presidential election in November, and he wins, which he might do, uh, then he can just pull the plug on all these cases and he will have gotten away with everything. Mm-hmm. Um. A moment ago, um, you made uh, the, the the comment that the Supreme Court should not take this case up. Um, what's your argument for why they shouldn't take it up? Because his lawyer to the D.C. Circuit Court, when the Court of Appeals was considering uh, his his claim that he has uh, immunity because immunity for life, because once you're president, you can do anything you want, and while you're president, you can do anything you want. And his lawyer was asked, well. If the president can do anything, when can 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 the president send a drone to kill his political opponents? And his lawyer said yes. So that that's why this thing is so ridiculous. He actually made that argument before a very serious federal court. That's the kind of of argument that that the D.C. Circuit said just slashed historically, statutorily, constitutionally, just slash, slash, slash. Absolutely not. This is this is beyond preposterous. And now he's taking that up to say to the Supreme Court, well, why don't you? tell me I can have this kind of immunity. So, Tavis, I mean, I think if we go 30,000 feet up and not get stuck in the weeds on these specific cases, all of the mm-hmm. cases, 91 federal accounts, um, this is a campaign to destroy the rule of law and the constitutional framework that contains the rights that African Americans are still striving to make a reality. Um, and, and so this is, this is a war on the rule of law. Everything he does, all of that clown show that he does outside the courtrooms where he attacks the judges, attacks the law clerks, uh, where he, he, he tells people that it's all a conspiracy and that it's corrupt and the judges are, are biased against him and it's a political witch hunt. All of that stuff is to torpedo the rule of law. Just like he, when he was president, he went after 
um, the supremacy clause. He went after the impeachment clause. He just he wanted to torpedo any institution or any constraint like the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, freedom of the press. He attacks every institution that gets in his way. Mm. And so we're being blooded. You know how my, my grandfather used to have hunting dogs? Mm-hmm. And he had to, you know, he had to blood them to teach them to kill, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been blooded for fascism. We're being blooded to get rid of the rule mm-hmm. of law, and we're being blooded to put a man who says he wants to be a dictator and terminate the constitution. We're being blooded into returning him to power. Uh, it, it is often the case when I talk to Connie Rice that she says something that I wish I had thought of first. I mean, it's such it's such a great metaphor that we are being blooded, just like you blood dogs uh, to get ready for the hunt. We are being blooded for fascism. We're being blooded for authoritarianism. Dang it, I wish I had thought about that. It's a great line, Connie. I love it, and it makes it makes perfect sense. You explained it beautifully. You said two things I want. I'm still mad. I, I didn't think about that first. Uh, but there are two things you said I want to go back to right quick. The first is... Um, you use the word you use the word scared uh, in terms of the way that the judiciary has moved uh, in, with regard to Donald Trump. They've given him gag orders. He's broken those gag orders. They've really done nothing to him in New York. He talked so disrespectfully to that judge. He talked over him. He talked down to him. He humiliated the judge. He embarrassed the judge. And all the judge said in New York was, uh, "Counselor, please get a please get control of your client." That's all that the judge said. So my question is whether or not our system. As we see Trump, to your point, facing 91 charges in all these court cases, he's disrespecting everybody in the entire process. So my question is, is our judicial system scared of him or or, or, or is it more about being careful that they don't seem to be um, seem to be uh, unfair to him or perhaps setting themselves up for some sort of mistrial motion. My, my question is, are they scared or is there something else I'm missing about why they're being so deferential to Donald Trump? It's all of the above, Tavis. They're both mm-hmm. afraid of him, but they also know that, you know, when you have a juvenile delinquent or a hockey hooligan, mm-hmm. they're trying to goad you into being violent against them. And if you do that, they win an even bigger prize, which mm-hmm. is to show, see, see, mm-hmm. they're against me. Mm-hmm. So these judges, uh, these judges are like, let him throw his tantrums. We're going to come out with rulings. I mean, you know, I can't, I can't wait for Judge Erdogan to tell him, you know, how much money he's going to have to pay for his forty years of tax evasion and fraud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the state of New York, you know, he's got to pay eighty-three million because he, got, for the second time, is an adjudicated rapist in civil court. You know, on and on and on. So the the the, the conclusions of these judicial processes, so forth, so far, have gone against him. But make no mistake about it, just I uh, just the most glaring example of them bending over backwards to accommodate uh, you know this this wannabe dictator in in the in the in the stolen classified documents case where he stole nuclear secrets mm-hmm. and hoarded them and kept them by his toilet. Okay, mm-hmm. that case in mm-hmm. Florida where the judge is actually kind of in his pocket. Um, I don't know anybody charged with espionage who has a private jet who was allowed to keep the jet, keep the pilot, and not surrender his passport when you were charged with espionage. Mm. Anybody else facing those Espionage Act cases, uh, charges, would, wouldn't even have gotten bail. They didn't even confiscate his passport. That was the most glaring example to me. Um, so, so it's both. The courts are bending over backwards to him in a way that they would not bend to somebody who wasn't a former president who's this corrupt. Um, I don't even think they 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 treat 
normal former former presidents this way with this much staff. Can, can that can that, can can that be justified? I mean, obviously they're doing it, but can it be justified in in any reasonable way? Well, if you're if you're keeping your eye on the prize of keeping the court process going and not giving him grounds for saying that there's bias, I can see making those calls. Mm-hmm. I can't see what Judge uh, Cannon did in Florida with the classified documents case, though. Uh, that was nuts. You you take his passport. He mm-hmm. could be on his way to Moscow with his best buddy Putin mm-hmm. on his jet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those are serious charges. You, you, you know, there are people doing nine years in prison, federal prison, which mean, means you do the whole nine years. There's no, this isn't state court, uh, for stealing two classified documents. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had a ballroom through a full of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's both. Yep. Back to your brilliant, uh, brilliant metaphor and brilliant, brilliant analysis that we are being blooded for authoritarianism and blooded for fascism and just blooded uh, for the demise of this democracy by one Donald Trump. And many people are going for it hook, line and sinker. I digress on that point for now. But here's a question I, I've not asked of others, but I'm glad that it comes to my mind now so I can ask it of you. Uh, you talked earlier about uh, the GOP uh, and they're being engaged in, as you call it, a war on the rule of law. I cannot disagree. No reasonable person could disagree with, with what you've said. We are witnessing the GOP engaged, led by Donald Trump, in a war on the rule of law. By the way, you probably saw the news that he is he is uh, now supporting his daughter-in-law to be the co-chair of the RNC. You saw that story, right? <laughs> he's he's now supporting his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump. To be the co-chair of the Republican National Committee. I digress on that for now as well. So first he brought his daughter and his son-in-law, Ivanka and Jared, into the White House. And now in this iteration of his political career, he wants his daughter-in-law to be the co-chair of the Republican (laughs) National Committee. Again, we're going to pause on that for a second. But the point I was driving toward is that for as long as I've been living, as long as I've been doing what I'm doing, it is the GOP. That has always uh, promoted itself, advanced itself. Uh, the narrative has always been that they are the party uh, of the rule of law. They've now done a complete 80 on that stance. How do you read that in 2024 that they are no longer the rule of law? They are the party now engaged in a war on the rule of law. And you put your finger right on it, Tavis. This is not the GOP. This is the Trump MAGA party. We, the GOP died with, with, with Bob Dole and John McCain, okay? Mm-hmm. It's gone. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. You know, normal Republicans who can tell reality from, from fiction, normal Republicans, you know, who, who, know, who, who know the truth from, from a massive lie, those folks don't have a party. You know, the, the Liz Cheney's, my cousin, Condoleezza, you know, they, mm-hmm. they don't have a party anymore, okay? All right, what you have is a hostile takeover by fanatics, the MAGA nuts, and, and we're, you know, the country is in, I, I call it, been diagnosed with four-stage MAGAism. Mm-hmm. We don't have a Republican Party. So, and, and what you talked about him putting his daughter-in-law in there, he loves the Saudi family dynasty for a reason. That's what he's creating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this, he doesn't, and the democracy is not for him because it constrains him. So here's, you know, that, that to me is clear. GOP used to be law and order because that was the that was the dog whistle for uh you know suppressing civil rights and going against progress um uh, for African Americans and for other people of color 
that was the dog whistle, you know, the Willie Horton dog, and that wasn't a dog whistle, that was a screaming foghorn. Mm. But the part, the party that had the Southern strategy, you know, the, the GOP used to be the party of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And in a hundred years, it went to the party of the Southern strategy with Lee Atwater and, and Willie Horton. And so now it's, it's, it's devolved even further and, and collapsed into a, a, a fascist party of political violence and if we if 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 our candidates don't win we will destroy the democracy so that you know that, that uh, we need to stop talking about the gop you know it, it's 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 gone it's mm-hmm. the make america white again party and they are they have a movement that is is gaining steam yeah i love your your phrase again that we are uh, that we are now in fourth stage magaism is that what you said fourth stage magaism <laughs> connie can turn a phrase can't nobody do it like her i guess the question is whether or not there's a cure is there an antidote to that there may be a vaccine mm-hmm. and the vaccine is us realizing what what screen to be on what frame to be in um we have one shot in november uh, putting the brakes on this. I can't say it's going to stop. You can stop Trump, but you can't stop Trumpism, the MAGAism. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's now caught too much of the white population's imagination. And, and about 15% are true believers, about 40% are just cynical. I make more money with, with Donald Trump, although that's not true because under Biden, there's not only a soft landing of, with, with the runaway inflation, but there's also the, the dial has gone over 5,000 for twice for the first time in history. So these folks are making more money. You know, the, the greed crowd, the mm-hmm. greed, you know, the, the gospel of greed crowd, they're making more money than ever. But they don't like the regulations. They don't like the progressive movement toward a multiracial democracy. All of this is animated. All of this backlash and white-lash and retraction and voter suppression, everything that we see, banning, banning books that talk about African-American history, talk about slavery as a jobs training program, all <laughs> that craziness, okay, comes from a panic over the country becoming, for the first time, majority of color, mm-hmm. that the white majority is losing its primacy, although in the top jobs, there's still 96% white and male. You know, I mean, we've made this tiny bit of progress, and we had a black president, and the country proceeded to have a psychotic break. <laughs> so we're, you know, we've been here before. We've yeah. been here before, and African Americans have always been the catalyst, the key turning point. We are the ones who snatch the democracy from the jaws of totalitarianism and and authoritarianism because we know what American totalitarianism is. It's slavery. Nope. I, um, I couldn't agree more. We know exactly what it is. We we know it when we see it, when we come forward, I've got some questions for Connie about Joe Biden in particular, uh, that you'll want to hear. And I'm going to ask Connie a question that I've not asked at all, believe it or not, because I've been so distraught about what happened in, in Fulton County in Atlanta, Georgia. I have not asked a single question in weeks about Fonnie Willis. But now that case is coming to a head about this romantic relationship with the special prosecutor she hired. There's a major event in that case this week. So I want to ask Connie her thoughts about that and a great deal more when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically black. Black, black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. 
helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. This is Tavis Smiley in conversation with our regular contributor, the towering public intellectual who turns a phrase like nobody else, Connie Rice. In case you've just tuned in, you missed a couple good ones already. She does it every time she comes on, and I'm scribbling as fast as I can. So first of all, she has diagnosed America as being in fourth stage MAGAism. That's where we are. We are in fourth stage MAGAism. She says there may be a vaccine. Uh, uh, we we shall see. Uh, but the phrase of the day is that we are being blooded. That's Connie Rice, my Connie original. We are being blooded. It's like you blood uh, hounds before they go on a hunting expedition. You blood them. Uh, we are being blooded by Trump. We are being blooded by uh, MAGAism. Uh, we're being blooded for authoritarianism, blooded for fascism. Uh, that is the frame and the phrase of the day, courtesy of one Connie Rice. Connie, let me come back to Donald Trump and back to Joe Biden in a second. Let me just pivot uh, because there's a big piece today in what is it? I read so many things uh, today. Uh, Politico. If you go to Politico, you'll see a pretty, uh, pretty good article today uh, about the status of these four major cases that Donald Trump is facing. And they break down in this political article today, uh, in these four cases, that they're all having a crescendo moment this week. They're all coming to a head at some level in some way, shape or form this week. That is the case uh, for uh, 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 Fonnie Willis and her case in in Fulton County, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's coming to a head this week in terms of this romantic relationship. This thing has been so messy for me, Connie, that I, I've been so distressed about it that, that I haven't even wanted to talk about it. Uh, but let me just go here now because it is coming to a head this week. The judge has ordered that there's going to be a hearing about this relationship and whether or not it's going to have an impact ultimately on the case that she has brilliantly put together and brilliantly brought that has made great headway uh, with a lot of convictions, uh, with a lot of uh, uh, plea bargains already. Uh, she's already done some pretty good work. So there are two ways, at least, at least two ways to read the Fonnie Willis mess that you all know about down in Fulton County, uh, Georgia. She hired a special prosecutor. They paid him a significant amount of money. And then we find out that they have had a romantic relationship. Um, uh, he's going through a divorce and uh, his wife, who is obviously quite bitter, uh, has, has been very involved in, in making sure this story got out in her own way. That's again, it's messy. I, I, I'll leave that part alone. The, the question I'm pushing to for Connie is she always talks about getting in the right frame. And so I want to ask Connie, what is the right frame for us to be in right now vis-a-vis the mess with Fonnie Willis? Is it uh, that um, she made a huge mistake by making herself the focus uh, and not Donald Trump? You have to know if you're going after Donald Trump, they're going to dig in. They're going to dig it all up in your business. They're going to find this. So did she make a huge mistake uh, for which she ought to be forgiven, uh, bad judgment, uh, or is it the case that, as she's argued, they are coming after her, targeting black women as they do? Um, or is it both or something else? You tell me, Connie Rice. Probably all of the above, Tavis. Yeah. Number one, here's the, here's the key thing. It's clearly a mistake in judgment and a mistake in the optics. It's, you just don't, you, you can't do that, you know, with, with any case, never mind this case. But that's not to look. If romance weren't allowed in litigation teams, the whole system would shut down. Okay, so <laughs> I've, been, I've been litigating for forty years, and I've been on multiple teams. I'm telling you, <laughs> if, if if romance between the lawyers and the experts and so forth and so on is outlawed, then, then we're not going to have a judicial system. So let's just put that to the side, okay? 
<laughs> Too much information. Yeah. The key thing to keep your eye on, here's the question the judge has to determine. Is this mistake, did it in any way affect, jeopardize, impact the rights of the defendants, the rights of the people? Does it in any way affect whether this case would have been brought, or does it in any way affect the validity of the allegations that the, that the defendants face? Bonnie Willis is um, a maestro with RICO cases. Okay, she knows how to use that statute. Mm-hmm. And she has structured this case in a way, and it's, it's going as she gets folks to fold, and they turn on the top folks, right? You start at the bottom, and you work your way up. Mm-hmm. And it's clear, it's clear that this fits in the RICO. So, so this is, that, that is a separate matter. If, if what she did didn't impact their rights, didn't, didn't, didn't impact the trial, didn't impact the court, didn't impact the rights of the people uh, in this prosecution, then the judge should say, bad judgment, but it, has, it, it, it doesn't warrant disqualification of her or the team, and it certainly doesn't warrant dismissal of the case. That, that, that's, that's the frame you need to be in. Now, the collateral stuff, sort of what damage does this do, Perception matters, especially in a high-stakes, high-politics case like this. And so it may be that... And now, now, oh, the other, the other ground is if there's some kind of monetary benefit that she could actually be accused of either a, sort of a lapse in integrity or maybe even a corruption allegation. I think, I think those are the two things. Is there money corruption associated with this? Does she benefit from that salary and so forth? She's saying no. Um, and then did it affect the trial? Did it affect the rights of the defendants? Should it in any way affect the merits of these charges? And mm-hmm. my gut says no. Mm. Um, stranger things have happened um, with, uh, with judges who get a chance to make these decisions. Um, uh, particularly, uh, down South as, as we well know. Um, so your gut tells, you no. what do you think the chances are that the judge will see it the way you see it? Uh, pretty, you know, maybe 50, 50, but here's the thing. Even if Bonnie Willis is taken off the case, even if both lawyers are taken off the case, there's still a team mm-hmm. that's going to go forward with this case. Mm-hmm. All right. I just don't, what I, I'm not worried about them. They can take care of themselves. Yeah. I'm worried about whether the judge is going to determine that beyond disqualification, dismissal is required. I, that's what I don't see. That, that's, that's what I've got my eye on. Um, Bonnie Willis and, 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 and the other prosecutor are going to defend for themselves. I'm worried about the integrity of the case, and I think that's what the judge is going to have his eye on. Yeah. All right, let me pivot from that. As I said, it's messy. I didn't want to deal with it anyway, but you have to because it is it is news. I'm watching my clock. Let me just do this. When we come forward, uh, I want to get Connie's take on, on Joe Biden's situation. We discussed this yesterday. This, of course, was breaking news at the end of the week. Everybody talked about it over the weekend on all the Sunday shows. It was the topic du jour. We got into it a bit yesterday, but not with Connie Rice. Um, and I want to get her take on uh, the uh, special prosecutor's report that finds that Joe Biden, we were talking earlier about Donald Trump and his documents down at Mar-a-Lago, uh, the Biden case was a very different situa- situation, very different scenario, and the special, special prosecutor ultimately decided, as you all know, he should not be prosecuted. But that ain't what made the headlines. What made the headlines is calling Joe Biden essentially old and feeble with a bad memory. He then comes out and has this press conference where he 
proved to us that he is old and feeble by confusing the president of Egypt and the president of Mexico. Uh, I said yesterday, and I, I want to get Connie's take on it, that I think it was a mistake on the part of the White House to so hastily call that press conference. They got themselves on the defensive so quickly. I don't know why they felt they need to do that. And then he, you know, uh, you know, makes a huge mistake like that. That becomes an even bigger story. My sense is that it, it's happened early enough in this campaign or it may not be an issue uh, between now and November unless he keeps doing this. Um, but there's a question as to whether or not this was a political hit. The Biden administration thinks this was a political hit by a Republican uh, special prosecutor who put that line in there to do the damage that he did. We'll talk about that and some more when we come forward with Connie Rice on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Tavis Smiley continues when we come forward. forward. All right, Connie Rice, um, big piece in the Washington Post today with the headline, Is Biden the best Democrat to beat Trump? And you say? He's the only Democrat that's beat Trump. Mm -hmm. Why are they asking this question? He's going to be the nominee. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. Do you really think Donald Trump's the best thing for anything? No. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this I don't know. They must not have enough to do. (laughs) <laughs> because that's not the question. We're about to lose our democracy, and they're wondering whether Biden's if there are better Democrats. Well, you know, you can make you can. That's like a parlor game. It's yeah. a waste of time. What what what? So what, what, he's what, the what, only Democrat. Go, go ahead. No, no. What uh, I'm going to cut you off, but I'm, I'm curious to get your take on it. So I hear your point, and I say this all the time as as a talk show host. Obviously, uh, if you want the right answer, you got to ask the right question. In many ways, one could argue that the American media uh, is asking the wrong questions. If that is the wrong question, is Biden the best Democrat to beat Trump in this moment uh, in our nation's history? What is the right question we ought to be asking? Do we understand that we're about to lose our democracy and have to act? Mm -hmm. This isn't about an election. This is about, you know, you talk about the cases against Trump being at inflection points. This is more than an inflection point. This is a decision point. Are you going to allow the democracy to dissolve into a crazy movement of nuts who will have in the cabinet people like David Duke and Scalise. I mean, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. It's like a mad magazine picture. But we're, we're actually considering going that way because of the disinformation and the fraudcasting and the, the ignorance. I mean, this is militant ignorance. I didn't think people could get this, this aggressively ignorant, but they really have shown just how crazy the 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 processing of information disinformation can get so we're in a dangerous moment because of the technology because of the big switch into a new system world order that we don't know what the rules are and when you have a vacuum it gets filled by nut stuff so that we're in a dangerous moment we've been in more dangerous moments before but this is a really dangerous moment this is do or die for the democracy that's not a regular election and so I don't think the stakes are being made clear enough. And I don't think the Democrats understand they've got to stop bringing talking points to a knife fight. This is about power. It's not about policy. I saw a headline, a group's going to spend $40 million doing advertisements on, on child care policy. Well, that's, you may as well have a bonfire mm. for that money mm. because this ain't about policy. It's about power. And if you don't understand what screen and what frame you're on, you're going to be pushing the wrong buttons. Okay? Mm. <laughs> and Biden needs to get rid of the team he has, because they, if, they, 
anybody who foregoes a chance to do an ad for the Super Bowl doesn't, doesn't have staff to know what they're doing. And they got to manage. I have worked for elderly people who are still very, very smart, sure. but they don't have the energy they used to. Yeah. You have to manage their time, yeah. you know? I um uh we don't have time to talk about it now. I'm out of time, but uh Joe Biden didn't run a commercial, but RFK did. <laughs> Bobby Bobby Jr. <laughs> Bobby Jr. did. And everybody's talking I about know. it. Uh, speaking I, of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> uh Connie, I love you. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for your insights. Hey, take care, Tavis. Thanks so much. Take care. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.